It is good to have you here with us today. Uh, as we're in the middle of this series this fall called Who is God? Um, I'm going to ask you to help me with uh, something this morning uh, because, um, honestly, I need the help. You see, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray with me out loud what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Um, we're going to pray the, the way I learned it from the old King James Version of the Bible when I was a kid. And, and so I'm going to invite you to pray it with me out loud. And then uh, the reason I need your help is because when I was a, a young pastor um, in my 20s, I decided I would preach an entire series on this uh, passage of Scripture from the Lord's Prayer. And um, the very first Sunday, I asked the congregation uh, to stand and pray the Lord's Prayer with me, and I went brain dead in the middle of the prayer. I mean, just nothing, all right? Um, and then the next Sunday, I got to the same place and went brain dead again. Four successive Sundays in a row. It made such an impact on that congregation that when I left them many years later, they actually gave me a plaque with the Lord's Prayer on it <laughs> so, so that I would actually know the Lord's Prayer as a, as a minister. It's a kind of an important thing to do, all right? So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to, um, to, to pray it with me. We're, now, we're going to use the term trespasses rather than debts when we get to that part of the prayer, Okay. Um, so, that, so that everybody's on the same page. And we're going to present. Now, whether you're with us on campus or online, I really, those of you online, I, I want you where you are to just pray these words out loud with us uh, as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. All right? Here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, the reason I ask you to pray that prayer is because so many of us know that prayer, right? But, but we miss the context of it. Because, you see, we call it the Lord's Prayer, or if you were raised in the Catholic Church, our, the Our Father, okay? But, but the, the fact of the matter is that it's not the Lord's Prayer, and, and, and it really is to the Father. It's not the Father's Prayer. It was a prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. So, to, realistically, it should be called the Disciples' Prayer or the Believer's Prayer. And the context of it in the Gospel of Matthew, which Heather was sharing about from the sixth chapter of Matthew, is in the middle of what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And for those of you who know the story, you know that Jesus had a great following of people who were following him, so much so that he gathered on the side of a mountain and, and hundreds, if not thousands of people gathered around, and he began to teach them. And in the Gospel of Matthew, this is one of five places where Jesus does an extended teaching to the disciples of who God really is and who they are called to be as disciples. And he starts in Matthew 5 with the Beatitudes, those blessed are, you know, famous passages that we have. But, but but here's the most amazing thing. In the middle of that sermon, okay, 
in the middle of teaching about who God is and how you're supposed to follow him, I mean, great parables in the middle of it, all of this kind of stuff. I mean, if you take your Bible, it is the exact center of that sermon. Jesus begins to talk about, well, now, when you pray, when you pray, now do not, do not pray big words in front of lots of people so they think that you're eloquent and smart and spiritual. When you pray, don't, don't, uh, don't pray so that other people will see you. Like, don't stand on the street corner and pray. When you fast, don't just like, you know, construe your face and walk around as if everybody should know that you're suffering for Jesus. But, but instead, when you pray, Fast, wash your face, live your life. When you pray, go into a private place where no one sees you, but your heavenly Father hears you. And so when you pray, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to pray like this. And he says these words that we just recited. See, that's the problem. Jesus taught these words to be a prayer. And we've turned them into a recitation. I mean, even those of you who don't go to church, who are watching online, or maybe you're here as a guest today with somebody, and we're glad you're here. This is a safe place for you to ask questions. But, but I have to tell you, many of you know the words to that prayer already. It became a cultural icon, became a piece of literature, and it was never intended to be a recitation. It was never intended to be a cultural icon. It was never intended to be a piece of literature. It was intended to be a conversation. It was intended to be a conversation between you as a follower of Jesus and your heavenly Father. And even the word Father, I mean, the, the way Jesus says, now when you pray, pray our Father. Oh, oh whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Our Father? Yeah, our Father. It, it, it's, it's, it's a group, it's a community situation. I mean, he's not just your God. He's our God. And he's not just some force out in the universe. I mean, this is not Star Wars, y'all, okay? It's not, may the force be with you. No, 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 this is, this is our Father. He has a personality. Jesus is his Son. The Holy Spirit is their spirit. It's a Trinitarian Godhead. It's a, it's a God who is one and yet three, and it's a mystery to us, but they are all a person, not just a force. And, and to the people who were listening on that mountainside, when Jesus says, now when you really pray, what he's really saying is don't do all these things that other people do to impress people with their spirituality. You have this conversation, and he starts the conversation by saying, you, you pray, pray our Father. That's earth-shattering. Not to us, because it's a recitation and a piece of literature. But to them, it, it was earth-shattering because nobody, nobody talked to God like that. No, 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 God, God was too much other. God was too large. God, God, was, God was someone you, the, the scribes wouldn't even write the, the vowels of the name of God. The name Yahweh, they just wrote the consonants in the Hebrew. They, and, and even that was, was a, considered something you had to like stop and pray before you wrote the name. God was so powerful. And now here's Jesus telling hundreds, if not thousands of people, who all their lives have known God as this great, distant creator, God who, like we talked last week, wrathful, punitive, almost vengeful God. 
And Jesus says, now when you talk to this guy, say, Father, whoa, this is, this is like, as Heather said a moment ago, eyes open, soul filled. This is drastic change. And we miss it because culturally we, we turned it into this recitation and this piece of literature uh, and something to study or something to just say or something to mutter under our breath as we make the sign of the cross. No, see, see Jesus was about people knowing who God really is. Several years ago, I stepped into a hospital room here in the city to visit a lady I had known quite honestly, all my life. I, I, I knew her. Her, her husband was a, was a Church of God pastor, and, and her life had intertwined in different places with mine. And her husband had, had passed away, and, and I went by the hospital just to, to see her and visit with her for a few minutes. And, and when I walked in the room, I caught her at, at one of those really vulnerable moments emotionally. Because uh, I greeted her, and she greeted me, and I said, so how you doing? She said, I'm not doing real well. I, I said, what do you mean? She said, well, Karen, I'm, I've been laying here in this bed thinking to myself, because the doctors have given me the diagnosis, and the diagnosis is I'm, I'm probably never going home again. The diagnosis is I'm, I'm, I'm probably either going to die here in the hospital or I'm going to die in a nursing home. Um, I'm just at the end of my road and my life. And I've just been sitting here thinking, what if, what if I didn't do enough? I said, what are you talking about didn't do enough? I said, you were the pastor's wife. I mean, you taught the little kids. You, you went to the women's group meetings. You testified on Wednesday night. You sang in the choir. You did all the stuff. I mean, you taught me and other people how to sing Jesus Loves Me. What do you mean? Didn't do enough. She says, well, well really, honestly, Carrie, when, when, I, when I get to heaven, I'm, I'm just a little concerned that, that, that maybe Jesus will look at me and, and say, no, that was just all pretend, and you really didn't, you really didn't have faith in me. I, I'm dumbfounded. I'm, 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 I'm sitting in this hospital room with this lady that I've known all of my life. I've watched her ministry. I watched her husband's ministry. I, I was just, I was just, I didn't know what to say. Now she's questioning whether or not she can trust God to do what he promised to do when she dies, to, to step from this life into his presence. And, and she's, she's seriously, seriously questioning Maybe you've done that. Maybe you're not in a hospital or a, a nursing home. Maybe you don't have a, a diagnosis where the doctors say whatever you have is terminal. But you've, but you've questioned. Am I doing enough? Can, can I really trust God? Will, 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 will God? I mean, and, and suddenly inside of me, the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted me with a question. And so I, I leaned forward. She, her bed was kind of propped up, and I'm on a chair there. And I, I leaned forward a little bit, and I, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, when did you ask Jesus into your life? She said, when I was 13 years old. I said, now, I, I didn't know you when you were 13, obviously. 
but I've known you a long time. So I need to ask you this question. In the decades, and it had been decades, since you were 13 years old, has, has Jesus ever let you down? Has God ever, ever let you down? And she, she looked at me for a minute, and I mean, she, she began to think hard. And she said, well, Carrie, it, it wasn't always easy being the preacher's wife. I said, yeah, I, I get that. She said, you know, the, the, the church folks, sometimes, I said, yep, yep, my dad was a pastor. I, I get that. I'm a pastor. I, I understand. She goes, and you know, the pay wasn't all that great. I said, no, I, I get that. I get that. You served some really hard places with your husband. She goes, and then when my husband died, and, you know, and I went home that night to the, to the house, and there was no one there, and I'm just there by myself, and, 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 and it, was, it was just it was hard. I said, I, I understand it's hard. I said, but what I need to know is, did Jesus ever quit being there with you? And she sat there for what seemed like a long time. It was probably only a few minutes, maybe even a few seconds. And then she got this very wise smile across her face. And she said, no, Jesus has never, ever let me down. Friends, I, I, I just need you to know. When, when Jesus was teaching those people on the mountainside to pray, he wasn't promising them a prayer that would get them some money for whatever they needed. He wasn't teaching them a prayer to, to fulfill all their wants and wishes. He, he was not teaching them a prayer that would help them control the cosmos in order to get what they thought was needed in the world. He was teaching them a conversation that they could have with a God who can be trusted. And when he, when he taught them those words, he, he used words and concepts that, that taught us if we will do more than recite them, if we'll do more than just repeat them out of habit, if we will sincerely enter into a conversation. There, there are some things in this prayer that teach us that God is trustworthy so that just like my friend who was a pastor's widow facing the end of her earthly journey, we can discover that no matter how hard it's been, no matter what trials and tribulations, no matter what heartbreak, no matter, no matter what devastation emotionally or relationally we've encountered with people, uh, that God can be trusted. And so this morning, I want us to look at that prayer and get a good, a good grasp of what Jesus was teaching us to say. The first thing is, see the God of Jesus? He's, he's present in your life, in my life. The God of Jesus is present. That's why this, our Father in heaven is so important. See, first of all, it's this relationship piece, our Father, that we talked about a moment ago, but it's also the in heaven. See, that song we sang a moment ago? You didn't want heaven without us, so you brought heaven down. 
We, we, I've had some people say, well, I'm not singing that song because Jesus didn't bring heaven down. I mean, just look at the earth, okay? The earth, the earth, no, no, he didn't bring heaven down. This is hell down here. It's not the earth. You know, mm, no heaven here. No, 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 wrong. You remember what Jesus' very first message was to those who would listen? Repent and believe for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, in a first century Jewish mind, heaven was not way up there. No, heaven was right next to you. Heaven, heaven was, quite honestly, so close that, that Jesus would refer to heaven as being near. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's right here next to us. You see, we're not serving a God who's way off. We're serving a God who knows every thought who knows every breath, who knows every hair on your head, a God named Jesus, a God named the Holy Spirit, a God named Father. And, and, and if you had a bad earthly father, a, a dysfunctional family system, an abusive father, an abusive mother, I realize those, those words may be hard for you to hear, but I want you to know your earthly parent who was abusive to you is not your heavenly father. Your heavenly father is one who embodies a, a love for his children in such a way that, that he's present with them and present with you because you're his daughter and you're his son. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And just like my pastor's widow friend, if you sit and think about all the pain and all the heartache and all the tough times of life, yes, sometimes they will overwhelm you. But if you think through them and remember that it was God, it was Jesus who was there with you, then when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, you're not thinking about the God who's way out there. You're embracing the God who's right next to you in the midst of your life. And, and, and when he's there, did you hear the next part of, the, of it? These people are listening to, well, wait a minute. You're, you're, you're calling God Father. I mean, by the way, if you read the scriptures, you'll know that's one of the reasons that the Pharisees and Sadducees brought and religious leaders brought Jesus into trial is because he said he was the Son of God. He called God Father. That was blasphemous to them. And he's teaching other people that blasphemy, that God is their Father. And so what happens is when, when, they, when you pray, our Father who is in heaven, our Father who is near to us, who is present with us, remember, hallowed, be your name. Now that word hallowed often in some of your modern translations will be translated holy, okay? But, but hallowed or holy in the English don't really get at the real essence of what that word means when Jesus spoke it, whether he spoke it in Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew, there's more context to it than what the English allows us in those words. And the context to it is this, that God is pure. God is absolutely pure. So this God that we can trust, this God who is trustworthy, is a God who is present, and the God of Jesus is pure in his nature. What that means is this. When we say God is love, it means that there's a purity to the love of God. It also means that love is just. See, we think of love as just being like, you know, I, I emotionally evoke feelings for you. I'm love. No, that, that there's, there's more to real love than that. 
See, see, Jesus says, listen, when you pray to your Father who's present with you, understand that his nature is pure. His nature is holy. His nature is different than your human nature. He's not fallen. He's not sinful. He is perfect. He is loving. And he is pure. And so when you pray to him, pray the, to him and say, hey, you're the, you're the God who's present and you're the God who's pure. And if I can't trust a God who is pure, who is also present with me, then there's nobody I can trust. And the God of Jesus is that pure God. He is that present God. But then the next words, remember? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, now, now wait a minute, hold on. Didn't you just say, Pastor, that heaven is close and earth? Yeah, but they're still distinct. There's still two kingdoms. And what you're praying in this is, hey, God, I, I, I want you in your purity. I want you to be present with me because these, these two kingdoms constantly butt up against each other. They're constantly making contact with each other. You, you live, if you're a child of Jesus Christ, if you've asked Jesus to be in your life, if you've asked him to take control of your life, you live as, as a person of God in the kingdom of God, and that kingdom bumps up against bumps up against a kingdom that's not ruled by God. And that's why Jesus says, look, you've got to pray and ask this present pure God to take his powerful activity and, and to make it the same in your earthly environment as he does in the heavenly environment that's so nearby. Because in that heavenly environment, he's the one who is so, so close. That, that's why the scriptures teach us to fix our eyes on Jesus. He, Hebrews chapter 12 no matter how bad the race is, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, who didn't consider sin, but instead considered the cross and allowed the, the cross, took your sin, my sin on the cross and, sh and died and shed the blood that redeems us. You see, when, when you pray to this present pure God, use your powerful activity in my life. You're not trying to manipulate it you're actually submitting when you pray these words in this conversation and you say, your kingdom come, your will be done. You're basically saying, hey, God, I'm here, I'm available, but you're in control. And that's the hardest prayer in the world. I mean, that's the hardest part of this prayer for most 21st century Christians. Because let's be honest, we want control. If you don't believe human beings want control, just watch news clips of the last 19 months. Everybody wants to tell everybody else what to do. And don't you dare tell me what to do. And Jesus is saying, no, look, when you pray in that private place, in that place where you're not trying to impress anybody with your spirituality, but instead where you are saying to your heavenly Father, be present with me in your purity, let your powerful activity control every part of my life, then you're placing yourself in the hands of God. You're placing yourself in a place where he's going to determine what's best for you. Now, I realize that's hard. That requires trust. That requires an ability to, to see God as loving and gracious and trustworthy, as generous to us. 
as someone who cares about us, not someone who's waiting to knock us off our feet, to punish us, but someone who wants us to be whole, someone who wants us to be healthy. And so this God of Jesus, who is present and pure and powerful, takes those qualities, takes those characteristics, and listen to the rest of the prayer. You remember? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus tells us that our heavenly Father, the God of Jesus, provides for our needs. And, and when the people who heard him on that first time he said this on the, on the side of the mountain, when they heard that, what went to their mind? I mean, we, we hear bread. I love bread. I think I love bread more now than I ever have because my doctor a couple of years ago suggested that I cut out a lot of bread. I miss bread. My wife is gracious, though. She found me low-carb bread. I didn't know there was such a thing. I will tell you, it's edible. <laughs> but it's not my grandma's rolls. I'll just tell you that right now. And my, my, my father and mother pastored in a place uh, called Sykeston, Missouri for, for uh, over a decade. And there was a man there named Norman Lambert who started a restaurant. And when Norman started his restaurant, the building was so small that, and his food was so good that when you would go in to eat there um, while you were waiting on your meal, he, he couldn't really get out. So you, you had to go to a window. And so what he started to do was throwing the rolls at you as you were sitting at your table. He could toss them from the kitchen out to his very small restaurant. Now you go down there and they're bustling loads of people and the restaurants like 25 times as big as it was when he started it and and he's got them in Branson and he's got one in Alabama and, and all of that kind of stuff well, his family does Norman's Norman's gone now but but I remember those throw I mean I, bread give me this daily bread can, can I tell you something that's not what the people there heard what they heard was a story they had heard all their life from their grandparents, from their great-grandparents, from their whole family, from everybody in the community. See, what they heard was the story of the children of Israel who were delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And when they got out into the desert, they became upset because they said to, to Moses, what do you mean bringing us out here? There's no food. There's no water. You just might as well have left us back there. At least there we would have died with a full stomach when Pharaoh killed us. And now we're going to starve to death out here in the desert. And what does God tell Moses? He said, I'll tell you what, every morning I'm going to bring manna from heaven. Manna was this bread-like flaky stuff that would, that would cover the ground in the mornings. And every time these people, when they heard Jesus talk now, centuries later, about the fact that you're asking your father who's present, you're asking your, your, your father who's pure, you're asking your father who's powerful to give you this day your daily bread. What they remembered was they had learned from their parents that that manna, it was a, you know the story, right? Every morning there's manna until the Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath, God is providing the manna every day and God doesn't work on the Sabbath. And so God tells Moses, now tell the people, listen, I, I want you to gather just this much. That's enough for each member of the family each day, and there will be more every day. And then on the last day before Sabbath, you gather, the, you gather enough for two days because there won't be any on the Sabbath. So that day you, you, you do that. And then tell them, don't 
get more than you need because when you get more than you need, it's going to rot. It's going to go rancid. It's, it's not going to be edible. And, of course, you know what they did, right? First day out, they're like, wow, this is good stuff. Second day, they're like, hey, put it in the pocket. It, you know, God, may, God may stop doing that. And what happened? Every time they gathered more than they needed, it went bad except for the day before Sabbath. See, when they heard Jesus say, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread, they understood that what he was saying is, hey, you, you have to serve God in such a way that this pure, powerful, present God can be trusted to provide for your life. And you don't get to, you don't get to manipulate it. You have to trust him. And then there's that part that I ask you to repeat as trespasses rather than debts. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Okay, yeah, we're all into that, right? Because nobody wants to violate God. But then there's that other part. Like we forgive those who trespass against us. Or like we forgive our debtors. You see, what Jesus was saying is, is look, the, the God who is your father, who is present, who pure, who's powerful, who provides. He also pardons when you sin. And so since you've been pardoned, you probably should learn to pardon other people. I've been blessed in my life to be around some people who have the gift of grace, people who have been wounded and didn't retaliate, people who've been put in positions of of administration and power and who have chosen to use those as means of grace. I, I sat yesterday in a, in a room with some other folks on the campus at the university and heard the testimony of a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine who um, was a teammate for a few years when we were young at the university. A, a, a teammate who quite honestly, as he said yesterday, I came to school a renegade. I was, I was just here to play ball. But there, as he's giving his talk, he said, but there was a man here who was the grace of God to me. He said, now, the fact is he was the grace of God because he was the dean of students and he made me, he made me follow the rules. I didn't want to follow the rules. In fact, several times I, I was actually, you know, disciplined for not following the rules. In fact, one time they actually asked me to leave the school. And the best thing that ever happened to me was that that man who asked me to leave the schools was a man of grace. And so as I'm here in front of you now, decades later, I just want to publicly say to that man, with all of you present, and him present, thank you for being the grace of God to me. I'm sitting there going, I just went to church. Suddenly it was like, oh, wait a minute. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive, forgive us our trespasses the same way we forgive others. This God who is, who is so present, this God who is so pure, this God who is so powerful, this God who provides all of our needs, he pardons all of our failures. Thank God 
You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Let's quit trying to pretend. But what we can do is understand that this God of Jesus is the God who pardons our failures. And then Jesus just, he takes it one step further and says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Well, you just said, Pastor, that there, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven. There's the kingdom of the earth. They're buttoning up against each other. They're impacting each other constantly. What do you mean? Lead us not into temptation. Well, yeah, you see, this God who pardons our failure, the God of Jesus protects us from the evil around us. You say, now, wait a minute, Pastor. There's pain and suffering. I see it all the time. I, I feel it all the time. I experience it all the time. Yeah, I, I know, but, but, but just listen. See, what Jesus is saying is that when you are willing to pray in such a way that you're asking this, this present, pure, powerful, this, this God who is, who is so, so willing to provide for you and so willing to pardon you, you can trust him to protect you. And, and this morning, I don't know where you are in, in your conversations with God. I don't know if you're like the people who were sitting on the mountainside and they heard Jesus say, now call God your father. And, and, and you're like, yeah, no, I'm not sure I want to do that yet. If that's where you are, it's, it's okay. That's where some of them were. But hear me. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. Whether you're on campus or online, watching us later this week on demand. He's waiting on you. In fact, I absolutely believe he wants to speak into your life and he wants you to know that you are loved by him. And all these things that Jesus told those people to pray, he's asking you to pray, not to recite, not to repeat, not to make a ritual, but to live in a conversation where you pray to him and you trust him, even to the point of asking him to protect you from the temptation, from the evil around you. And when you bump up against it, when you encounter it, when it comes into your life, then you can turn in confidence to the God of Jesus and let him embrace you. I have a one-year-old granddaughter. She is learning to walk. But when she comes to our house, and as she's walking those first little steps of a toddler, if something startles her, and her daddy or her mama are there, she goes right past Grandpa. I don't understand. Right into the arms of Daddy or Mama. And that's what Jesus is telling you and me to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. Forgive us 
our trespasses. The way we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Because you can trust God.